The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Uh, you know, we're in this series uh, on joy, and we kind of we wrap it up today. And uh, next Sunday, for Easter Sunday, we kick off a new series, and uh, it's called The Real F Word. The Real F Word. And uh, it's going to be about forgiveness. Uh, if there is an offensive word to people, uh, anybody grew up watching Happy Days? Remember that? Some of you? I know I dated myself there. You may see it on you know, cable now. But uh, the Fonz could never say he was what? Does anybody know I was wrong? Uh, for a lot of people, uh, I, you know, one of the words that they have a hard time saying and getting out is uh, you know, forgiveness, forgiving people, and uh, forgiving themselves, forgiving others, uh, and then receiving forgiveness from God. So uh, we're going to talk about that F word uh, beginning next Sunday, so don't miss it. But today, uh, we're wrapping up the series on joy. We've been kind of going through using the book of Philippians to talk about joy. But do you ever feel like you kind of lost your joy? a little bit as a follower of Christ. I mean, I think if we're honest, at times, I think we all get to that point where we kind of lose our enthusiasm. I mean, in the beginning, you know, we were filled with, you know, a lot of love and a lot of excitement, and a lot of enthusiasm. But then as time, you know, goes on, it's almost like you, you sprung a leak, right? And, and you're kind of leaking out uh, the joy and the love that you once had. Uh, the, fact, the fact is, there's a lot of things in life that can cause that. And so today, I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about keeping your joy. And that's definitely a recurring theme in Philippians over and over and over again. Be joyful, rejoice. Uh, he keeps coming back to that, hammering it home. Uh, in fact, in Philippians chapter three, he says this, finally, my brothers, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again and it is a safeguard for you. In fact, that's what I want us to talk about today. I wanna, because I think, in this uh, passage here, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us some protection, some safeguards for you know, making sure that you keep your joy. And so I want us to talk about those today. Number one, the first thing that Paul says, if you want to keep your joy, if you want to protect the joy that you have as a Christian, you got to fight off legalism. you got to fight off legalism. Legalism is a real killjoy. Uh, it destroys the joy, the love, the enthusiasm in your Christian life. Let me give you a definition of legalism. Legalism is substituting rules for my relationship to Christ. It's substituting rules, regulations, rituals for my relationship to Christ. And, and it comes in very subtly as a believer. It really does. And it gets your focus off of what God has done for you and what you have in Christ and it gets the focus on what you think you have to do for God. Um, how many of you have ever seen a Christian, you know, start off again, again, full of joy, full of enthusiasm, and then after they've been a Christian for a little bit, some more mature Christian comes along and says, okay, sure, absolutely, you know, you got to love the Lord, you got to love God, but then you need to make sure you do these 992 other things. You know, that, that, that's, that's what's going to make you a good Christian. And then you just lose your joy. Now, this is not a new phenomenon, okay? In fact, this has been, a long, been around as long as Jesus has been around. Been around for a couple of thousand years. In fact, back in the New Testament, the legalists of that day were actually called Judaizers. 
okay? Judaizers. They, they were a group of people who said, yes, absolutely, believe in Jesus, you know? Put your faith in him, that's important, but there's some other things that you've got to add on to your faith as well. It's Jesus, sure, plus this. In fact, they had this long list. In fact, you know, you got to keep every other one of the, the Jewish laws if you're going to be a believer. You got to keep the Sabbath laws. You got to be circumcised. You got to keep the dietary laws. They had all these different rules. Jesus plus this. In fact, look what Paul said about, these, about this group in verses two and three. He said, Watch out for those dogs. Those wicked men and their evil deeds, those mutilators who say you've got to be circumcised to be saved. By the way, if you're a Gentile adult male and all of a sudden you're told, yeah, sure, come to faith, but now you've got to be circumcised. Welcome to Coastal. You know, that'd be, that's not a really good uh, you know, introduction. Anyway, um, he says, uh, we put no confidence in human effort. Instead, we boast about what Jesus has done for us. Now again, you really got to sense Paul's anger here. I mean, he's ticked off. He's upset. He calls them dogs. So what do you do? I mean, because it's, it's honestly, it, it comes in the church, man. You see this all the time. People, you know, well, it's Jesus. Yeah, but it's Jesus plus this. So what's the key? The key is to live each day by grace. Grace. In fact, the root words in Greek for joy and grace are the same root. Grace is the key to joy. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by what? Look on the screen. For it's by what? Grace that you have been saved. It's, for, it's by grace you've been saved. Through faith. And this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of your works. Not of works so that nobody can boast. Now, in the next few verses, it's as though the Apostle Paul says, okay, hold on a second. You want to talk about legalism? Sure, I can go there if you want to go there. You want to, you want to compare lists to one another? Well, check this out. He says, I was the superstar. I was the rock star of legalists before I came to faith. And I found out that, that it, it just doesn't work. Look what he says, verses four through six. He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence, in other words, Sure, you want to put confidence in the flesh? He says, I got more. If anyone thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless, he says, faultless. And, and, and you, you miss some of this a little bit if you're, if you're not really sure what's going on, but basically what Paul is doing here, he's given at least five things here that you could put your trust in other than Jesus, and we still do it today. Okay, number one, rituals. He says, listen, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. There's a ritual, and today, guess what? We have our own rituals. Now, they're important, but listen, some people say, well, hey, I was baptized when I was 12, or I took communion, or I went through catechism. I was, I was christened. And he says, listen, if you're tr trusting in the ritual for your salvation, you're in big trouble. Because those, those things, although good, important, in and of themselves, they don't save you. Race or, or heritage. He says, uh, I, I was of the people of the tribe of Benjamin. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, 
you, know, you start, start talking about your faith or Christianity, people go, well, you know, my dad, my mom, she, he or she, they were a great Christian. My grandfather, you know, my great-grandfather was a, a minister in the Methodist church. I, I, don't, I hear that all the time. I don't know why it's always the Methodist church. I don't know. But, <laughs> but people say stuff like that, you know. Uh, or, or number three, religion. Religion. You know, I, Paul says, listen, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Religion is man's attempt to earn their way to God. Christianity is God's attempt to reach out to you, to man, through a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's a big difference, a huge difference. You ever talk to somebody and you ask them if they're a Christian, and they'll say, well, you know, I'm Catholic. Or, no, I, I know, okay, but I didn't ask you that. You know, well, I'm Episcopalian, and, uh, or I'm Baptist, or, you know, my membership is at downtown at First Church of the so-and-so. You know, listen, it's not about religion. And Paul says, I, I don't put my trust in those things anymore. Or for rules, Rules, he says, okay, you want to talk about rules in regard to the law? I was a Pharisee. He's basically saying, listen, I kept all the rules. You know, the Pharisees, they, they get a really bad rap, but back then, they were the spiritual elite of the day. You know, they basically took the Ten Commandments, okay, and they expanded them into 619 other commandments. And Paul says, I kept all of them. Did you know that a Pharisee, if he got bit by a mosquito on the Sabbath, he wouldn't scratch because that would be considered work and that would be a sin. That's pretty, legal. I mean, that's pretty legalistic, right? A Pharisee wouldn't allow anybody to look in the mirror on the Sabbath because you might see a gray hair and be tempted to pull it out and that would be considered work. They were, I mean, wow, they were pros at rules rules. And Paul basically says, listen, no more. And some of you have grown up in a faith in which you think those rules save you. Number five, right, uh, reputation. Reputation. He says, as for zeal and legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. And we got people today who you say, well, you know, I read my Bible every day. I witness. I go to church. And again, listen to me. You've got to catch this. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. The problem is, is that some of you think that they give you points with God. And they make you acceptable to God. And you're trying to earn your, your approval. And it doesn't work that way. God loves you unconditionally. Romans 15, 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God, listen to this, is not a matter of eating and drinking. In other words, not a matter of legalistic rules. But it's of righteousness, peace, and joy. There it is, joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul says, our faith is not about rules and rituals and regulations and what you eat and what you drink. The Christian life is about righteousness and peace and joy. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but okay, Pastor Chris, there you go, right there, it says it, it's about righteousness. So, you know, I've got to be good, I've got to be righteous, and, and these rules, these regulations, these rituals, they, you know, keeping these commands, they make me righteous. No, you got it all wrong. It's not your righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. 
In fact, back to Philippians 3, verse 9 says this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. In other words, by keeping rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Listen to me. Sure, I want to live right. I want to do the right thing. Not so that God will save me, but because he has. Because he has. I, I want to live a life pleasing unto God. Not, not so that I will be right with God, but because I am. And it's not through what I did. It's through what Jesus did for me on the cross. And my faith in him. Listen, we got to fight off legalism if you want to keep your joy. Because it creeps into the faith and it creeps into the church and it creeps into people's life. And I'm telling you, you're going to lose your joy that way. Number two, you got to evaluate your life. You gotta evaluate your life. You know, a lot of people are looking for that joy in all the wrong places. And here in Philippians 3, Paul does a little evaluation of his life by comparing the values of religion and all that stuff he just got finished talking about to the value of a relationship with Christ. And he says, at the end of the evaluation, there's no comparison. Look at verses 7 through 8. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for, whom, for whose sake I've lost all things. He says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, in that little passage, you know, the place I get the evaluation from is those two little words, profit and loss, in this passage, okay? In other words, this is kind of like, you know, some of you accountants out there, you know, you money people, this is Paul's P&L statement, okay? Profit and loss statement regarding life. He says, all those things that I just talked about, I consider a complete loss, they add up to zero. He says, I consider them, the word is rubbish, that I may know Christ compared to knowing Jesus. Now, you need to know something, okay? This is a little, I don't know, a little rough, but uh, the translators here in Greek are, are just being polite, okay? In fact, if you've, if you've got the message translation, you ought to look at this, this passage because the word rubbish there, in Greek, literally is the word for, how shall I say it? Dog manure, okay? That is the word. I mean, that's what he's saying. He is saying, that's how much I consider all of those rules, all those regulations, my heritage, rituals, religion. I look at all of that stuff, and let me tell you, he says, it ain't worth dog Manure, or any other word you might seem appropriate at that place, um, here's the point. He says, if you want to keep the joy in your life, 
You've you got to know what's really important. You've got to understand, you know, what, what's to your profit, what's to your, to your loss. Don't, don't waste your life on the stuff that just doesn't matter. I think one of the reasons why people end up losing their joy and they have that kind of leak in their life of joy is I think they just misplace their priorities a little bit. And, and they get their lives all wrapped up in stuff that at the end of the day, it's just not that important. And what he's saying here is, is what matters most is not you know, all that other stuff in his past, not you know, things, not possessions, not your position. He says, you, know, you can have everything and still not be happy. Look at, look at Luke 2, uh, 12, verse 15. It says this, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Something you got to learn. Life is a series of trade-offs. I think, you know, the more mature you are, the more you get a handle on that, that, that life principle, you know, that life is a series of trade-offs. Paul says, I gave up something in order to gain something. I gave up religion in order to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And you see, I know that some of you are afraid. You know, you're afraid that if you become a Christian, if you become a follower of Jesus, you're gonna have to give up something. And in a way, you're right. Well, you know, if I, if I become a believer, I'm gonna have to give up this, and I'm have to give up that, and I'm gonna have to give up this. And you're, you're worried, you know, it's all about you. You're worried about, you know, you're not gonna have any fun anymore. You know, that's one of your concerns. Listen to me. Nobody, nobody has more fun than I do. If I drank, I would be in so much trouble, okay? Listen, nobody has more fun than me. And yet, some of you are, you believe that once you're a Christian, your life gets restricted. You know, you, you, you can't do anything anymore. You're not gonna have any fun. You gotta give up so much. You, you know what? Listen to me. I, I get drunk all I wanna get drunk. I take all the drugs I wanna take. I mess around with all the women I want to mess around with. Here's the thing, though. Jesus has changed my want to. Jesus has changed my want to. I don't want to do those things. They're cheap thrills. They're plastic. They're fake. They do not last. They do not satisfy. And they don't bring joy or happiness. They don't fill that, that hole in your soul that you're looking to fill with anything and everything. Listen, when you come to Jesus, you give up everything you've got, and then you discover you never had it so good. I mean, look at the trade-off for just a second. When I became a believer, I gave up guilt. And I gained a clear conscience and forgiveness. When I became a believer, I gave up worry. And I gained a power for living. I, I gave up frustration and a, and a lack of purpose in life. And I wound up gaining fulfillment and real meaning. You know, I gave up trying to solve all my problems on my own, pull myself up by my bootstraps. If, it, if I'm gonna do it, I gotta get it done. And I gave up all that, and I, and I gained 
having the resource of God, the power of Christ, his word, and the Holy Spirit to comfort and strengthen and to help me solve all my problems. I gave up, I gave up hell. I gave up an eternity separated from God, wandering around in the darkness, and I gained light. I gained new life. I gained salvation. I gained a home in heaven. Man, I don't know about you, but I consider that to be a pretty good trade-off. You know, I'm not much of an accountant, but I can figure out that that side is a lot more valuable than that side. And that's what Paul is saying here. All that stuff that I once thought was so important, I'll give them up willingly because of what I gain. You see, all this, that's going to last forever. All that 60, 70, maybe 80 years. So I want to ask you, what are you afraid of giving up for God? You know, if I, if I become a Christian, if I give my life to Christ, if I get committed, if I live for Jesus, what are you afraid that's going to change in your life that you don't want to give it up? Now, Listen to me, this is important. Because whatever that is, that's what's robbing you of your joy. That's what's keeping you from experiencing that joy in the Lord. So, fight off legalism. It's about faith in Christ, it's about grace. It's not rules or rituals or heritage or regular, all that stuff. It's about a relationship. And then do a PL statement. Evaluate your life. And then finally, number three, if you want to safeguard your joy, protect your joy, you've got to refocus your goals. Refocus your goals. I, I referenced this verse this morning during the first song, verse 10. Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. The Apostle Paul says, my number one goal, after all these years, it's to know Jesus better and better. My, my question for all of us today, how well do you know Jesus? Now, I know an awful lot of people who attend Attend church, attended church their entire life. And they still really don't know Jesus that well. You know, in fact, the word there, know in Greek, it means to know intimately. In fact, in the Old Testament, it's the exact same word in Genesis where it says, Adam knew Eve. In the New Testament, it's the same word where it says, Joseph did not know Mary, his wife, until Jesus was born. It's the same word. The Amplified Version really describes this so much more clearly. Listen to this. For my determined purpose is that I may know Christ, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more strongly and more clearly. He's saying that's the kind of knowledge I'm talking about. It's personal, it's continual, 
It's ongoing. You see, there's a, there's a big difference between knowing and then just kind of knowing about. Now, I don't know if you know this um, about your pastor, but I am a huge Adele fan. We got any other Adele fans in the house? I mean, I just wish sometimes, I know, you're, you're shocked, right? I like old school rap, and I love me some Adele. I just do. I mean, like, you know, the voice of an angel. I mean, I just, I wish there was like an all Adele station all the time. I could just, you know, I, 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 I love me some Adele. I mean, I, I know all about her. You know, I've read some articles about her. I've seen her on TV. I'd love to go see her in concert. I can sing some of her songs. You ready? No, I'm just, you're not going to do that. Um, but the truth is, okay, I really don't know Adele. I don't. You know, now, I know my wife, Janet. I mean, I really know her. I know what makes her tick. I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. I know what makes her happy. I know what makes her laugh. Because I know her. Intimately. It's personal. It's continual. And it's ongoing. Make that your life's goal with Jesus. Get to know him better and better. Never stop growing and developing that relationship with Jesus. I promise you, the moment you stop, you will lose your joy. You ever hear about the little boy who uh, fell out of bed? His mom came in and said, honey, what happened? He said, well, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. Um, That describes a lot of you, I'm, I'm afraid. You've stayed too close to where you got in. You know, you made the commitment, but you haven't grown in that relationship. You haven't grown in that relationship with Jesus since you made that initial decision, and as a result, you don't have a lot of joy. Let's talk about that. How do you, how do you get to know God in a personal way? How does that happen? Let me give you just two words just to get you started. Number one, time. It takes time to develop a relationship, any relationship. And it takes time to, to, to get to know God. And what I'm talking about is spending time with God to get to know him. I'm talking about sitting down with your Bible. I'm talking about reading it. I'm talking about praying, you know, going for a walk and just talking to God about your problems, about your needs, spending time with him, listening to him, letting him speak to you through his word and through his spirit. I'm talking about worship. You see, You can't develop a relationship with someone only in a crowd. Only in a crowd. I mean, what if that, you know, the only time I ever spent with Janet was in a crowd about this size? I wouldn't wouldn't know much, much about her. I wouldn't know her. You can't develop closeness only in a crowd. And yet for a lot of people who call themselves Christians, the only time they ever think about Jesus or talk to God or listen to his word is in a crowd like this. 
They never develop that relationship on their own, one-on-one, so they don't really know him. So it takes time. Secondly, it takes trust. Relationships are built on trust, and God wants you to learn to trust him, and so he is going to allow you to go through all kinds of situations in life so that you learn he can be trusted. You know what? In the years that I've been a believer, I have discovered that God is reliable in, in every situation that he can be counted on. Now, I didn't learn that overnight. I learned that through years of going through problems and, and seeing God you know, pull me through. And that, that's something you only learn through experience and through time. And, and as you go through those problems and those situations, you realize that God can be trusted on, that, that, that God is this faithful. So my question today is, are you, are you losing your joy or have you lost it? Has your Christian life become routine? You know, you don't have that freshness that you had when you first met Jesus. Have you slowly substituted rules and regulations for a relationship? You know, if I do this, then then God will accept me. If I do that, then God will love me. Listen, you need to hear something. God loves you just as much on your bad days as he loves you on your good days. It may be possible that some of you have never really put your trust in Christ. You're just a religious person. You're a good person. You go to church, but you've never put your faith in Christ. And you say, yeah, but I don't need that. You know, I I am. I'm a good person. You see, here's what we think. We think that, you know, well, if our bad, the bad in our life is down here and our good is up here. If our good is, you know, this high and our bad is this low, that, you know, it'll be okay. I'll make it. I'll I'll sneak in. The, The only problem is with that, God doesn't grade on a curve. It's pass fail. He judges us on a perfect standard. And the standard is not you, it's not me, it's not your neighbor, your coworker, it's not Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, or the Pope. It is the absolute holiness and perfection of God. And maybe you're like the Apostle Paul and you say, well, yeah, you know, sure, I'm a Christian because, you know, I was baptized when I was 12. I went through catechism. I take communion. Listen to me. Make sure that you've not confused the symbol with the substance. Because those symbols, as important as they are, in and of themselves, they don't save you. Some of you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Chris. You know, I'm a fourth-generation Southern Baptist. You know, United Methodist. Listen, Paul says when it comes to knowing Christ, none of that really matters. Yeah, but Chris, I keep all the rules. I'm a good guy. I mean, you ask anybody. You know what? You can be a good person and still go to hell. Good people don't go to heaven. That's going to be life-changing for some of you. Listen to this. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. Forgiven people. Let me ask you, what, what are you living for? You know, about, about 30 years ago or so, there was a, a popular board game that came out called Trivial Pursuit. Remember that? That was big a long time ago. And, and yet, the term still describes how people live today. Trivial Pursuit. Just spending their life on things and stuff that really don't matter, that aren't going to last. You know, in Acts chapter 27, there's this interesting story about a boat that almost shipwrecks. 
It's out in the middle of the Mediterranean. A storm comes along. And I mean, it was rough. And, and, and the ship is about to sink. And in order to be saved, they took the very cargo that they were carrying with them and they threw it overboard to save the ship. And that's a parable of life. How sometimes the very things that you've been carrying with you through life that you've been depending on, you've got to let go of in order to really experience life and to save your life. My question to you today is, what do you need to let go of? What have you been holding on to, hanging on to, thinking that this and, and that and this thing and this relationship, this is what's important, this is what's going to save me, this is what's going to get me into heaven. And let me tell you something, people are looking for joy and satisfaction in all the wrong places. And the only thing that's going to last in this life and on into the next is this, do you know Jesus? Not know about him, but do you know him? And maybe you are a believer today, and you say, Pastor Chris, I do, I know him. I stepped across that line of faith, I put my faith in Christ, I understand that. But let me ask you, have you taken back a little bit of that cargo? And, and you've, you've come to depend on a few other things other than faith, and faith in him, and, and you're not spending as much time with him and trusting him as much as you once did. Listen, if you want the joy to return, that's how it comes back. But the greatest question for anybody in this room to answer is this, do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith in him? Again, the, the standard by which you're gonna be judged is not, it's not religion. It's not you know, doing certain rituals. It's not about you being good enough. Listen, you know what that leads to? It leads to legalism or rebellion because eventually you're going to get to the point where you're going to go, how in the world could a God you know, love me and yet make me do these things that I can't even live up to? And then you get frustrated and you turn and walk away. And some of you have done that. And today it's, it's time to come home. It's one step. One step of faith. And then God will make up the difference. He'll welcome you with open arms. He'll run to you. He accepts you just as you are. And when you put your faith in Christ, he sees Jesus in you. And then it's a matter of just growing in that relationship. Not because, not so that you will get saved, you know, not so that God will save you, not so you can earn something, but man, just out of worship and gratitude and thanksgiving, because he has. That's Christianity. That's faith. You can have it today. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.